The Taidong Underwater Federation is organizing diving events at the local flowing lake. Not for fun, but to remove an aggressive fish species. The fish in question is a snakehead mural, which is not native to Taiwan and is known to bite swimmers. At the first cleanup event, divers managed to catch 10 fish. A diver points a torch into the crevices on the steps. He's not here for a fun dive or to clear waste from the lake. He's trying to catch snakehead morals, a non-native species that now lives in Taidong's flowing lake. Located on the coast where freshwater meets seawater, the lake is a thriving ecosystem. It is also a popular tourist spot and a favorite place to hold triathlons. In recent years, however, swimmers have been reportedly bitten by the snake and morals. The Taidong Underwater Federation decided to take matters into its own hands and tried to clear the lake of the aggressive species. They are especially aggressive during the breeding season. This non-native species is affecting the reproduction of local wildlife. Cleanup was made difficult by the cloudy weather, which resulted in low visibility in the water. On many occasions, the fish fled before divers were able to catch them. Over four hours of hard work, the team caught 10 snakehead morals, all between 30 and 50 centimeters long. I saw one over there when I was in the water. I tried to stab its back, but it escaped. I couldn't find it again. The group says it will continue organizing more cleanups to remove non-native species so that the local ecosystem does not get disrupted and swimmers can enjoy the lake safely. The Tang Prize is a biennial international award ceremony that recognizes groundbreaking research in four fields, sustainable development, biopharmaceutical science, sinology, and rule of law. The winners of the 2022 Tong Prize have now been revealed. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang learns more about their research. And uh, this is my last paper, actually, as a physicist. This is Dr. Peter Cullis, the winner of the biopharmaceutical science category. Cullis is known as the pioneer developer of lipid nanoparticles. Cullis is 76 years old and is currently a biochemistry and molecular biology professor at the University of British Columbia. Work that I did from about the early 70s and is still going on now. Basic studies on membrane lipids, we still don't understand uh, the great variety of functions that they serve. Uh, <clears throat> I won't talk too much about this. Between 1985 and 1995, we developed uh, systems to deliver cancer drugs. Uh, but since 1995 uh, to now, uh, we've really been focused on developing systems to, the, to deliver nucleic acid-based drugs. Uh, into, into cells. It is a tremendous honor, an enormous privilege to have received the Tang Prize in Sinology. The winner of the prize in Sinology is Professor Jessica Rawson. Currently Professor of Chinese Art and Archaeology at the University of Oxford, Professor Rawson spent years studying Chinese bronze and jade, investigating the exchanges between ancient China and its neighbors. Dr. Rastin also examined paintings as well as objects to explore the cultural norms and social context hidden behind objects. To begin with, I start with a painting, a European painting, which is very symbolic. If we look at these objects as symbols, we can see at once that they have meaning in the Christian church. 
This is a painting of the 16th century in the Netherlands by Jos van Cleve. It's not an important painting, it just happens to illustrate for me very clearly the points I wish to make. His finger, Jerome, Saint Jerome, the translator of the Bible into Latin, is pointing at a skull, the source of spiritual perfection. And on the table, much more mundane, are his spectacles, a symbol of understanding. The Tang Prize is a biennial international award ceremony that recognizes groundbreaking research in the fields of sustainable development, biopharmaceutical science, sinology, and rule of law. Tang Prize hopes to recognize researchers for their efforts to find solutions for challenges faced in the 21st century. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Lu Botong in Taipei. The Taiwan Lantern Festival will be coming back to the capital next year. The festival is hosted by a different county or city in the Taiwan every year, meaning that last time Taipei hosted the event was in 2001. The festival will span 168 hectares from the city's east shopping district to Xingyi. The festival will feature four areas at the east shopping district, Songshan Cultural and Creative Park, Sun Yat-sen Memorial Hall, and Xingyi Shopping District. There will be one main lantern, six side lanterns, and more than 300 artworks on show from February 5th to February 19th. On Tuesday, the Tourism Bureau said that the 2024 and the 2025 editions of the festival will be held in Tainan and Taoyuan, respectively. The Kyodo Tachibana Senior High School marching band, known as the Orange Devils, was an instant hit at Taiwan's National Day celebration. However, few are aware that behind the scenes, the visiting high schoolers had a bit of help from some local students. Boys from a Taipei high school took a break from their long holiday weekend to bring breakfast and carry supplies for the band. It was the first of many post-pandemic student exchanges between the countries that are sure to come. With their colorful orange uniforms and vibrant smiles, this is the Kyoto Tachibana Marching Band. The band was a focal point at Taiwan's National Day this year, but most are unaware that the band had some behind-the-scenes help. On the left are the students from Kyoto's Tachibana Senior High School, and on the right, students from Taipei's Songshan High School of Agriculture and Industry. The Japanese band members arrived bright and early at their performance venue. To help them out, these Taiwanese students were up early too, delivering breakfast to the band and helping move equipment. On National Day, the visiting band members had to get up quite early. The hotel was unable to have food ready for them in time, so they asked us to deliver breakfast. When they were on the move and during the performance, our students were responsible for providing assistance and moving their instruments. The school chose 16 students from grade 11 and 12 classes to lend support. For them, it was a good opportunity to get to know students from abroad. Our students were a bit nervous because it was their first time meeting students from such an internationally famous school, so that made them a bit nervous. Also, the students from Tachibana Senior High School were very friendly. 
Following their performance, the students were headed back to Japan to get ready for exams. The students from the Taipei High School also had midterm exams waiting for them following the National Day long weekend. The students who signed up to help did so voluntarily, so they must have taken preparation for their exams into consideration. I believe those who volunteered have a grasp on their studies, and so they agreed to work during the long holiday weekend. The band may have gone home, but there are sure to be many more friendly exchanges on the horizon for Taiwan and Japan. Taiwan shares followed Wall Street with big losses on the first day of trading after the National Day long weekend. Amid restrictions on U.S. chip exports and rising cross-strait tensions, Taiwan shares lost almost 600 points to close at 13,106 on Tuesday. That's the seventh biggest single-day drop for the index ever recorded. Taiwan shares are now at their lowest point in almost two years. Let's hear from an analyst. The selling pressure on the weighted stocks, it seems to me that buyers that hope to save the market, such as the National Financial Stabilization Fund, have not been overly proactive. So what we saw today was heavy losses across the board for Taiwan shares. Judging from the movement of individual stocks, indexes, and shares overall, it seemed that there was no hope for a counteroffensive. At the current stage, there hasn't been any change to the selling behavior by foreign investors. Analysts say Taiwan shares could even end up falling below the 13,000-point mark in the future. That's amid warnings of recession, the impact of the U.S.'s CHIPS Act, and lower expected revenues in the semiconductor sector. Over in the foreign exchange market, the new Taiwan dollar continued to depreciate to close at 31.867 NT to the U.S. dollar. Canada is the second largest source of organic agricultural products to Taiwan. Although the COVID-19 pandemic has greatly affected many projects between Taiwan and Canada, there has been no suspension of agricultural exchanges. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to Ed Jager, the Director for Trade and Investment at the Canadian Trade Office in Taipei, to find out more about Taiwan and Canada's organic agri-food exchanges. The chef serves up balani, a kind of flatbread filled with potato and drizzled with date chutney. For dessert, there's a gluten-free chocolate chip cookie made with quinoa flour and maple syrup and a blueberry Sicilian coffee. These are meals made by a Taiwanese plant-based and gluten-free whole foods restaurant using organic Canadian produce. The flours, they're good for baking, um, as you've seen we use today. And um, you can make breads, you can make cakes. So it's a good uh, gluten-free substitute for baking. Um, We're a plant-based and gluten-free whole foods restaurant. Um, We use maple syrup from Canada. And we also use wild blueberries, and uh, wild blueberries are very nutritious and high in antioxidants. So we really like to incorporate healthy foods into our food. Canada leads the world in the production and sale of soy products. For lentils, it ranks first in the world. Canada is also the second largest source of organic agricultural products to Taiwan. In May 2020, Taiwan and Canada signed an organic equivalence agreement to deepen bilateral trade ties for organic products between the two countries. Canada has a very strong organic foods industry, but only in 2020 were we able to sign a very important arrangement between Taiwan and Canada 
that recognized each other's equivalent uh, uh, organic standards. And so that really made a big difference for us because now it's no longer necessary for uh, an importer of Canadian goods to re-qualify goods as organic in Taiwan because Taiwan accepts the Canadian designation as organic and we do the same. And so it's possible for Taiwanese products and some Taiwanese products are being exported to Canada. Although the pandemic has significantly affected international cooperation between Taiwan and Canada, there has been no suspension of agricultural exchanges. The two countries have made progress in agri-product development, scientific research and innovation in plant-based protein products and foods like rice and legumes leading to growth in sales. Organic products to Taiwan estimated to amount to 1,500 metric tons valued at about six million dollars Canadian. Six million Canadian is roughly five million US. So it's a very significant amount of food that's being imported into Taiwan from Canada. Taiwan is an extremely important market for, for Canada. It's why we in the Canadian Trade Office in Taipei uh, devote so much attention to it and so much resources because we want to see this grow. One Taiwanese organic retail chain has cooperated with Canada for 10 years. The chain has purchased Canadian agricultural products such as wild blueberries, cranberries and wild rice that cannot be grown in Taiwan. They integrated Canadian organic ingredients with traditional ingredients into Taiwanese meals. We have cooperated with Canada for more than 10 years. In the past 10 years, we have successfully found a variety of good products from Canada that meet Taiwan's needs, especially when it comes to organic products. This is because in Canada, the climate is very suitable for growing organic agricultural products. We also hope that these products that cannot be found in Canada can pass our strict customs requirements and be brought to consumers. We also sell Taiwanese organic agricultural products to Canada. In the past 10 years, we have been doing some local processing of these agricultural products in Taiwan so that the products can be diversified, including organic lentils from Canada. Through cooperation with Taiwanese manufacturers, we've made rice flour noodles using beans and rice to make it more nutritious. According to Statistics Canada, Taiwan was the fastest growing country in bilateral trade with Canada among its Asian trading partners in 2021. Taiwan and Canada hope to continue to boost bilateral trade in the years to come. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Gong Zhong Yi in Taipei. Local elections will be held next month and alongside them, a referendum on lowering the voting age to 18. The Taiwan Youth Association for Democracy on Tuesday held a press conference with several Taipei city councillor candidates. The group announced a fundraising event to raise 965,000 NT for a publicity campaign to gain support for the referendum. They called for public support and said they hope to secure 9.65 million yes votes to see the referendum pass. Let's hear from the association. A recent poll showed that 53% of respondents were unaware that, alongside the local elections, there would be a referendum on lowering the voting age to 18. That's why we are calling on the public to get out and vote yes in the referendum. We hope that our fundraising campaign will help us get to that 9.65 million vote threshold. The association plans to put advertising on public buses, taxis, 
and at public transportation hubs to spread the word about the referendum and drum up support. So far, they have garnered the support of 50 candidates, including Taipei mayoral candidate Chen Shizhong, Jilong candidate Xie Guoliang, and incumbent Kaohsiung mayor Chen Qimai, who is running for re-election. China's Taiwan Affairs Office on Tuesday condemned the content of President Tsai Ing-wen's National Day address one day earlier. In her speech, Tsai had said that peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait was a shared responsibility of both sides of the strait. The office accused her of causing instability, saying that Tsai was promoting the idea that China and Taiwan were two different states. Also on Tuesday, the Ministry of Defense announced that China had flown more than 20 military aircrafts near Taiwan during National Day. During her National Day speech on Monday, President Tsai Ing-wen spoke on cross-strait ties, calling on Beijing to work with Taiwan to maintain peace in the Taiwan Strait. Her comments were rebutted by China's Taiwan Affairs Office spokesman Ma Xiaoguang, who accused Tsai of endorsing Li Denghui's two-state theory and of smearing China. Ma once again repeated China's position that both sides of the strait belong to one China, adding that cross-strait talks would only be possible on the foundation of the so-called 1992 consensus. Ma's comments were met with disapproval from Premier Su Zhenchang. President Tsai yesterday made it very clear that Taiwan is a free, democratic, peace-loving nation. We are willing to seek cross-strait peace on equal terms. Up to now, China has engaged in combat readiness patrols non-stop in the perimeter around Taiwan. Just yesterday, there were more than 20 Chinese military aircraft that flew into our vicinity, including eight that crossed into the Taipei Flight Information Region. Beijing doesn't think this is a provocation? Then I would like to ask them what behavior constitutes a provocation. The defense minister said that China's aggressive behavior was plain for the world to see. Meanwhile, the issue of China was brought up during an interview with former TSMC chairman Morris Chang on CBS's program 60 Minutes. Journalist Leslie Stahl asked Chang why Taiwanese felt that chips could protect them from an attack by China. Chang answered that, since TSMC provides a lot of chips to the world, China would refrain from attacking it if its priority is economic well-being. Asked by Stahl if he thought China intended to take over TSMC and make it a state-run company, Chang said that if there were a war, everything would be destroyed. You take Taiwan by force and everything will be destroyed, including TSMC. In that event, the global chip supply chain will be plunged into calamity. So from that perspective, China will end up with nothing and will aggrieve the whole world. From a global perspective, the impact of an invasion of Taiwan would extend far beyond its shores. China should think carefully about all it would have to lose from such an endeavor. Taiwanese travelers on Tuesday flocked to Taoyuan International Airport ready to travel to Japan. Taiwan's northern neighbor has finally opened fully to international tourism after more than two years of COVID restrictions. Travelers must show proof of three COVID vaccine shots or a negative PCR test. Travel agencies say bookings for Japan itineraries increased significantly ahead of the reopening. Suitcases in tow, passengers check in for their flights to Japan, which has finally reopened its borders fully to international tourism. Travelers say they can't wait. <laughs> on Tuesday, Japan lifted its ban on independent foreign travel. 
And starting Thursday, Taiwan will be making quarantines a thing of the past. Many Taiwanese have seized the opportunity to make a trip to Japan. Travel agencies say inquiries are through the roof. The revenue from flight bookings in one week alone has surpassed 100 million NT. The number of bookings for flights and accommodations is three to five times higher. Travelers going to Japan have to show proof of having received three COVID vaccine doses or show proof of a negative pre-arrival PCR test. A vaccination site in Taoyuan says more than 100 people showed up in the morning to get a shot of the new next-generation vaccines. Japan has expanded its list of recognized COVID vaccines, but Taiwan's Medigen is not one of them. According to the current travel rules in Japan, at least three of four shots must be recognized vaccines. Shots administered one day before departure are accepted. Businesses at Japanese tourist hotspots can't wait for travelers loaded with yen to come pouring back in. A souvenir shop in Hokkaido is ready with tax-free signs on every shelf. The shopkeeper says they are catering especially to foreign tourists. Foreign tourists have larger bodies, so we are offering plus sizes up to 4L. <laughs> the Shikoku pilgrimage, a route with 88 temples in the island of Shikoku, is especially popular with tourists. It passes through Kagawa Prefecture, where a newly inaugurated hotel has expanded its washing facilities ahead of the influx of foreign pilgrims. We took many considerations in the design and construction to offer a comfortable stay for foreign tourists. I'm very glad that the travel restrictions are being lifted to stimulate the economy. Before the pandemic, more than 30 million tourists visited Japan every year, spending more than 4.8 trillion yen. Japan officials hope that reopening the country to foreign travelers can bring that total expenditure to more than 5 trillion, so that the country's tourism sector can return to its former glory.